As you've heard time and time again, there now seems to be a difference between one's gender and one's biological sex. In other words, one's anatomy and one's chromosomes now have less to say about whether a person should be considered a male or a female than one's own perceptions or desires or delusions. So it would follow that now even the definition of manhood might come into question. So for today's discussion, we're going to define it by biblical standards and discover why that definition is crucial to understanding each of our God-given roles and purposes here on earth. Oh, and teach our kids to do the same. That's today on Licensed to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to Licensed to Parent. We're glad to have you with us. Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program that's helping teens in crisis and, by extension, their families. I'm Rich Rosal, and our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, Trace Embry. And Trace, I know we're talking about biblical manhood today, but this is really a day where we're also hearing a lot about the war on women. Mm -hmm. I think many would argue that God's view of manhood is degrading to women. So if we're to be teaching this to our sons, are we kind of just putting a target on their backs? Mm -hmm. What's what, what are we doing here? Well, first of all, Rich, I, I think if there's a war on women, it's predominantly a civil war with a bunch of self-inflicted wounds. Uh, if you ask me, if there's a war on any gender, it's the war on men and manhood. Uh, and just one small example, I mean, other than maybe 40 or 50 years ago, the TV show All in the Family, can you imagine watching a sitcom today uh, and seeing a male belittle or even maybe even strike uh, a female? It's mm -hmm. not going to happen. Uh, but it's common fare today for males, particularly for those portraying what should be the epitome of manhood, dads, to be belittled and mocked regularly. And it's not uncommon at all to see men slapped around, even punched by women, and that's supposed to be considered funny. And when men try to be chivalrous, they're criticized. When they're not chivalrous or chivalrous enough, they're criticized. Men don't know whether to spit or wind their watch today. And, and, and don't think, you know, I don't think they even know what it means to be a man anymore. Uh, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not discounting the, the abuse perpetrated against females by males that's alive and well today. Yeah. But that isn't manhood, Rich. Oh, you're right, right. You know, which is why we, we've got to get this thing sorted out. And hopefully today's guest will help us do just that. Well, joining us today, I, I almost feel like I have to be a boxing announcer, you know, in this corner. But uh, <laughs> to, to help us uh, shed some light on this is a gentleman who's founder and chairman of New Life Ministries. He's also host of one of the top nationally syndicated Christian counseling talk shows called New Life Live. That's heard and watched uh, on over nearly 200 radio stations nationwide, also on XM and Sirius Satellite Radio and on NRB Television. Uh, he's also host of New Life TV, which is a web-based channel dedicated to transforming lives through God's truth. His name is Steve Arterburn. You may be well familiar with Steve. He also serves as a teaching pastor in Indianapolis, Indiana. He's a prolific author of dozens of books, including Every Man's Battle, Every Young Man's Battle, and Every Young Woman's Battle, all of which deal with life in a world flooded by sexual temptation. And he's, uh, incidentally, the founder of the Women of Faith Conferences. But today, we have asked him here to discuss how to prepare our sons for biblical manhood. Steve, welcome to the Licensed to Parent broadcast. 
Thank you. Great to be with you guys. Hey, Steve, when I was preparing uh, for uh, today's program, I, I never intended to go in the direction that we're going to be touching on right now, but some things dawned on me uh, that we've been dealing with uh, here at Shepherd's Hill Academy for the past few years and with some of our constituents in the field of mental health and therapeutic residential care. Uh, what exactly it means to be a man has always been a topic of debate for some people, but now our, our postmodern and politically correct world has, has even uh, mental health professionals in a quandary over what it actually means to be male or a female, uh, which I think we need to touch on before we can really discuss manhood. So, you know, some of these uh, same folks might even say that our discussion and position on manhood, because I think we, we would probably agree, as being distinct from womanhood, is exposing our prejudices and, and our false presuppositions about uh, a gender binary. Uh, that gender fluidity is a is a greater reality than the gender binary, and that gender roles for men and women are just an archaic way of looking at humankind. How should we, as Bible believing Christians, respond to all that? Yeah, we well, you know uh, we we have to respond, of course, with the unaltered truth. And so many people who were um, saying they were homosexual, they were saying, "No, no, now this isn't." Uh, anything but just something that I was born with, and and I'm stuck with it, and I, I'm just, uh, this is who I am. Well, then uh, there was a change in that stance, a radical change, and um, it started occurring when some of the people that were so adamant about it, and, and this actually started in some of the more famous females that were more adamant about it, who decided to get married. And uh, to a man, and so we heard the phrase about sexuality being more fluid mm-hmm. and uh, very, very different uh, perspective on that. And so, um, you know, what what is the truth, and what do you need to do uh, in response to it? Well, you know, truth is um, God made us uh, uniquely and wonderfully. And, um, and we are made in his image, male and female, and they are distinct. Now, there is an issue where in a fallen world, some people are born defective. Mm-hmm. Some people are born, we, we know this, that uh, there's, there's confusion about uh, sex organs when they're born, different things like that, and we never want... To, as we're talking about one part of the problem, we never want to ignore that there are some significant issues. Legitimate you know, issues. A, uh, yeah, a doctor might make a decision uh, because uh, sex organs aren't fully formed or they're deformed. Uh, sometimes both show up in the same uh, place, mm-hmm. um, and, and they make a decision. And that decision actually might be wrong. Uh, so we don't want anybody to think that we're not aware of some really, really tough situations. And, and even beyond that, we know what abuse can do. We know what uh, early uh, sexualization of a child exactly. can do. So a lot of confusion, a lot of heartache that somebody didn't bring upon themselves. But that doesn't cause us to dilute the truth or negate the truth. Those are things that happen because we're not in the Garden of Eden anymore. It's a fallen world, and 
and defects yeah. and um, are, are going to be part of our life. And we need to help those uh, folks that struggle with those things just as much as we need to help those who are confused mm-hmm. by two separate teachings, the teachings of the world and the teaching of God's Word. Yeah, and, and so we're back to presuppositions again, and uh, they would say that well, you're, you're presupposing that a God exists and the Scripture is what it claims to be. <laughs> right. And so that's that's where really the divide uh, is. So does, does the God of the Bible necessarily need to be in the equation to properly define manhood, or is it possible that it can be determined uh, by the ebb and flow of cultural appetites and the ever-changing perspectives of the mental health field, as it appears to be today? Well, you know, we don't love because uh, it's a good idea. We love because God is love. And if we are to be godly people, then we do the things that make up who God is. And we don't uh, look at truth because it's more convenient to tell the truth or, or to find the truth. We, God is truth. He is the source of all truth. That's why truth matters. Now, if you don't believe in God and you don't believe that God is the source of truth and power and love, well, then I, I, I feel badly for you because yeah. you are living in one of, uh, I would say, in, in a limbo state that is one of the most uncomfortable places yeah. to live. And so I would encourage anybody that's in that place, start looking for evidence of a God of truth, a God of love, and you'll find that evidence when you start looking for it. Yeah, that's I, I couldn't agree more, uh, but in the postmodern relativistic culture that we live in, these, these people have a tendency, I don't care how educated you are, because there are a lot of educated fools out there, uh, if you buy into a false presupposition by faith, uh, then it's like starting to build a, a building from anything other than, you know, 90 degrees or a right angle. You're going to you're going to end up messing everything else up because of the, the false presuppositions you buy into to begin with. So it does go back to faith. They, they, you know, we, we uh, rub shoulders with a lot of uh, programs around the country that aren't what they would call faith-based, and I have to remind them, look, you're all faith-based. It's just a matter of you know, where you're putting where your faith. faith is. Right. Well, you know, most people that are in a place where they would say, well, um, you're starting with faith. Now, that person wants me to accept them as a person without faith, that they're not stupid because they don't have faith, or they're not second-rate because they don't have faith, and they want to be accepted in that way. And I absolutely do uh, accept and love them. By the same token, uh, I would like them to do for me what they want me to do for them. I would like them to accept the fact that I have faith. And that that doesn't make me stupid. And that doesn't make me a second-class person because I live based on a set of values, faith-based values, and a belief in an eternal God and that uh, I'm not perfect in what I do, but I do have a standard, Mm -hmm. and I know when I'm hitting it, and I know when I'm not. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, you can't even doubt anything except from the platform of faith because you're putting your faith in your doubt. Exactly. You know, but uh, until recently, Steve, the biological sex of a person uh, and gender uh, were interchangeable terms. Uh, so before we can really talk about manhood, do you see a difference between gender 
and the biological sex or anatomy of a person? Well, no, I, I think we all have gender and we are born with gender and mm -hmm. to one degree or another, uh, and many times it's easier to talk about the extremes, uh, we struggle with what gender brings to us. For some, let's, let's look at it, what gender does. It gives, let's say, um, a confused and delusional male. It gives him uh, a sense of entitlement, uh, a sense of superiority. He thinks that his gender is, um, is entitled to more, uh, is the boss, uh, is better than. Uh, on the other hand, you might have someone who struggles with, you know, what does that do and how does that limit me and how do I express this and all of that. So all of us have struggles at different points with gender. Just a question of do you go with what you feel? Do you go with an impulse or an urge? Or as adults, are we able to, in, in redemptive community with other people, and uh, filling of the Holy Spirit. Are we able to say no to certain impulses and yes to certain opportunities? That's the big question. So I, I don't know if I quite filtered through everything you just said right there because uh, on one hand, I'm hearing you say that there is no difference between gender and biological sex or anatomy. And then, and then the other hand, I'm hearing you say that maybe a person could have all the anatomical parts of a male and yet have some gender-specific female tendencies? Am I hearing that right? No, you, you, would, you might struggle, uh, and I wouldn't call them female tendencies, but you know, just like a person uh, who would want to be sexual with anything other than uh, what the Bible says is what we uh, need to be sexual with, and that's the person we're married to. Mm -hmm. So... You might have an impulse based, you might say, oh, I have raging hormones, and, and so you're tempted to do something outside of that. So that's a struggle. Mm -hmm. We all have struggles yeah. uh, in the area of whatever gender that we have. And so, uh, again, to be redundant. <laughs> so the question is, when you have an impulse, do you say to yourself, wow, uh, this is kind of outside the parameters of, of what God says is okay. But if I feel it, I'm just going to go ahead and do that because, well, surely my feelings can't be wrong and I should act on them. That's the struggle for everybody in the area of gender and uh, sexual expression. Yeah, and I would say there's a lot of people with fleeting thoughts that turn into an impulse that maybe might even turn into a, a lifestyle. But there, there are people who generally, from an early age, it, I, I was I'm struggling with this. Uh, I don't even want to pursue manhood. I'm, I want to pursue maybe womanhood. Um, but I, I have a tendency to believe that our culture, just, just our culture alone and, and the stimuli that goes along with it, has a great deal and I think Shepherd's Hill is a proving ground for a lot of that because I see a lot of kids coming out of this lifestyle because culture has basically uh, recently turned something uh, that, that used to be considered a shame not that long ago uh, into something where it's almost a badge of honor. And we'll, we'll probably have to pick up on that after the break. Yep. We're talking today with Steve Arterburn. He is uh, the founder and chairman of New Life Ministries, host of New Life Live and New Life TV and uh, author of a number of books dealing with biblical manhood. And when we come back, I think we're going to 
turn the corner a little bit and try to get into actually what the Bible talks about in terms of manhood and how to live it out and how to teach our sons to be biblical men. You're listening to Licensed to Parent, back with more with our guest Steve Arterburn right after this. Remember back in the late 80s and early 90s as the internet hit the scene? You know, the information superhighway? We had great hopes that this new knowledge economy would make our teens more aware, diversify their tastes, and improve their verbal skills. But the enlightenment didn't happen. Technology has had the opposite effect. What once promised great hope for the future is now used to indulge in diversions. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, subtitled How the Digital Age Stupefies Young Americans and Jeopardizes Our Future, or Don't Trust Anyone Under 30, presents a portrait of the young American mind at this critical juncture, revealing the true cost of the digital age and our last chance to fix it. The Dumbest Generation by Mark Bauerlein, available in the store at LicensedToParent.org. Proceeds benefit the Shepherd's Hill Academy Scholarship Fund. Hi, this is Ravi Zacharias. It really is such an honor to come alongside Shepherd's Hill Ministries and Licensed to Parent. I remember talking to somebody in the entertainment world once who said their entire target audience was an 18-year-old and typically an 18-year-old male. They said the influence they wield in a culture around with their friends is enormous. So a ministry like this to rescue those who have been seduced along the way. Uh, I cannot say how important this is, and to get behind a ministry like this, one will find the rewards to be extremely powerful in changing society. With the generous gifts from people just like you, we're able to provide parents with practical insights to navigate the challenges families face in today's culture, as well as helping troubled teens in our year-long residential program. To learn more and to donate, visit LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. While you're there, be sure to check out Trace's blog. And remember, we've got an entire collection of past programs uh, dealing with a lot of biblical topics on parenting. And we'd love for you to check those out as well. Uh, Consider our library your library and do your best to equip yourself to be the type of intentional parent that we're talking about here on Licensed to Parent. Steve, we were uh, talking before the break about the the contrast between what our current culture is calling manhood or not calling manhood and what the Bible says about it. Can we teach manhood to our sons without Scripture and or is it, you know, uh, do we have permission these days to teach our kids about biblical manhood? Yeah, well, I think you, you probably could teach manhood without Scripture. I don't know why you would. But what I um, think is so fortunate for us men is that the Bible doesn't just say, now here are the seven elements of biblical manhood, and uh, let's evaluate how you're doing based on those elements. Uh, We have God, uh, who is, you know, the Son of God. We have Him walking on this planet um, and living and interacting with both men and women 
and in so doing, presents us with a, an amazing life of biblical manhood. So, you know, if we want to define biblical manhood, we have to look at the life of Jesus and ask, what did he do? Was he mean to women? Was that biblical manhood? No. He was really uh, affirming of women. He talked to women uh, without uh, shaming women. You know, he did the ultimate, and, he, and we're encouraged to do it. He gave up his life exactly. for women. And just as a husband is told, hey, you need to be willing to follow Jesus and be willing to give up your life mm-hmm. for your wife. So I love it that we have such a vivid picture of biblical manhood. You can look at or ask about any area, and you can say, well, okay, well, let's see what Jesus did in that situation, or how would he react in that situation, and it really helps us as a guide for how we're to be as men. And you don't find it in the movies, and uh, you don't find it in our current day culture. You find it in the Bible and the life of Christ. Well, Steve, in response to that, uh, how should we respond as parents? You know, when people tell us that, well, this Jesus that uh, we follow uh, and the principles that he taught from the Old Testament, from the New Testament that we, we've gleaned about manhood, these very principles are, are some of the things that oppressed women and, and even prohibited them to even vote in the United States until 1920. How do we come back and advise our kids to respond uh, when they're getting these kind of uh, objections in their schools? Sure. Well, they weren't principles that did that. They were the misapplication mm-hmm. of principles that did that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if you want to, let's talk about the most offensive word that comes out of Scripture for a lot of people. It's the word submission. Oh, yeah. What, what is, what, what's, the, what's the first verse uh, on submission? Is it, wives, submit yourselves to your husband? Absolutely not. That's not the context mm-hmm. of teaching about submission. The context is submit yourselves one to another out of reverence for Christ. Then there are about a little over 40 words directed to a woman about submitting herself to her husband. And there are twice as many words, about 90 words, over 90 words, about a man's need to die for uh, connection and uh, for uh, that relationship and for his wife to die to himself. Now, I got to tell you, um, submission versus death is actually a little easier to do, I think. And so <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I tell people, ladies, if you find a man who's willing to die for you, submit to him. And I say, men, if you find a woman that is willing to submit to you, you better be willing to die for her. Mm. It's a mutual setup sure. for men and women, not a one down situation. You know, people say, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but still I have to be the tiebreaker. And I go, oh, okay. So what you're saying is as long as your wife agrees with you on everything, she gets to decide. Yeah. So, so I think the misapplication has always caused trouble, whether it was with men and women or the treatment of certain people in our society that don't look like us. It's not biblical principle. 
It's misapplication no, you're exactly, of biblical principles. You, you are exactly right. As I deal with parents and kids that come through Shepherd's Hill, the lack of understanding of Scripture as a whole. Now, they can eisegete Scripture all day long and pretty much make any theology or philosophy they want to, but it's just, I think we have such a lack of a biblical worldview, which is the foundation to pretty much all the problems we have in America today. But how can parents stand their ground on what they believe about manhood when, when those who are supposed to be the professionals, I'm talking about guys in the mental health field and in education, who are now telling a different narrative to the world to the point of changing cultural norms, even laws, uh, as in the case of the restroom and the, the whole locker room thing now? Yeah, I think uh, you either say... Uh, and accept that the culture's got it right, um, and whatever they decide, you know, that's what you're going to go with. Are you? Are you say the culture is and has been confused? It's getting more and oh, more boy. confused, and that is not ever going to be my standard. And uh, I'm going to believe the truth of Scripture, and not only believe it, but I'm going to learn more about it. Yeah. And to me, the big problem is that we've got more people, for instance, we've got more men looking at pornography than looking at the Bible every week. So oh, yeah. if that's the case, probably not going to do a very good job of teaching truth well, to whoever it is that needs to hear that truth. We're, we're basically down to idol worship again. We've chosen who our God is going to be. But are we down to teaching our kids to basically break the law? Well, I think sometimes that is exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, that is what we've done. Wouldn't be the first time Christians were in trouble for breaking the law, would it be? No, that's right. And um, I feel for people, you know, uh, a florist that doesn't want to serve everybody, and I feel for that person. But in reality, sometimes the right thing is absolutely wrong with our world, and it is tragic. And it's getting more and more difficult. And I think in America, we've got, uh, we've got more opportunity, uh, you know, to fix it than in some of these cultures where, you know, people are being killed every day, and, uh, and we're not doing anything about it, really. We're down to the wire here, Steve. A last question. What one thing can parents uh, be doing right now that would best help their sons uh, and our entire culture conclude that manhood, as alluded to in Scripture, is a legitimate pursuit and a benefit for all of humankind, not the least of which would be women? Well, I, I think you've got to be engaged with your kids, and you've got to be an example. Yeah. Nothing supports biblical manhood more uh, than a woman who is following truth. Yeah. And then a, a young man being exposed to a male who is living out biblical manhood. And it ought to be the dad. That's but right. if not, if you're a single mom, find those other men that can provide that example alongside what you're doing. Yeah. And then uh, redemption occurs in the soul of the most difficult uh, and the most defective person alive. That's exactly right. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Steve Arterburn, founder and chairman of New Life Ministries, host of New Life Live and New Life TV, and the founder of the Women of Faith Conferences. He has uh, taken time out of his busy schedule. In fact, he's on the road right now. So, Steve, thanks to your <laughs> wife for uh, 
for driving so you could talk to us. You'll find Steve and his books and other resources online at newlife.com. Steve, thanks so much for being on Licensed to Parent. Thank you. Great to be with you guys. And that brings to an end another edition of Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at licensedtoparent.org. While there, we invite you to check out the many parenting topics we discuss on this program and to subscribe to Trace's blog. Also, if you'd consider becoming one of our financial and prayer supporters to help keep this work going and to stay on the air, we'd be very grateful. You can donate securely online by clicking the Donate button at licensedtoparent.org. And remember, all gifts are tax-deductible. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you to phone a friend and together join us again next time when once again we'll renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.